Gloria Steinem is one of the most influential public figures yeah, of the last half century and a woman who continues to forge new ground on the cutting edges of activism and contemporary thought. What's most unusual about Gloria is how she wraps her arms, heart, and mind around an issue or topic, distills and eloquently articulates her learning for the rest of us, helps to seed actions and institutions that advance it, and then transcends it to engage with her next issue. Her inquiry, writing, and systems perspective helps inform us all toward large-scale social transformation. She has become one of our culture's most insightful thinkers on a broad range of related issues, the impediments of equality, the shared origins of sex and race caste systems, gender roles and child abuse as roots of violence, nonviolent conflict resolution, what we can learn from the cultures of indigenous peoples, and organizing across boundaries for peace and justice. Gloria is, of course, a world-renowned feminist icon. She was one of the leading figures in the explosion of the women's movement when it erupted in its modern form in the 1960s, and her impact has been deep and durable, not only because she eloquently expressed and daringly embodied radical new ways of seeing and being in the world, but also because she has helped found highly effective, long-lasting institutions and organizations. A pioneering journalist and editor, she co-founded New York Magazine in 1968 and the profoundly influential Ms. Magazine in 1972, which she edited for 15 years and for which she continues to serve as consulting editor. As a writer, her books include the enduringly relevant and brilliantly written bestsellers, Revolution from Within, A Book of Self-Esteem, Outrageous Acts and Everyday Rebellions, Moving Beyond Words, and Marilyn Norma Jean. And she helped to edit The Reader's Companion to Women's History. As an activist, she has helped to found and lead many groundbreaking groups, including the Women's Action Alliance, the National Women's Political Caucus, Voters for Choice and Choice USA, the Ms. Foundation for Women, Take Our Daughters to Work Day, the Beyond Racism Institute, and the Women's Media Center. Gloria has also produced a documentary on child abuse and a feature film about the death penalty and been the subject of countless profiles. These words by Franklin Thomas close Gloria's book, Outrageous Acts and Everyday Rebellions. If the struggle of the last decades was against the colonialism that allowed one nation to rule another, the current and future struggle will be about the internal colonialism that allows one race or sex to dominate another. One day, our descendants will think it incredible that we paid so much attention to things like the amount of melanin in our skin or the shape of our eyes or our gender instead of the unique identities of each of us as complex human beings. When they look back, there'll be one woman they honor as a lifelong advocate and strategic change maker. Please welcome a great woman rebel, 
Gloria Steinem. That's some introduction. No pressure here. <laughs> How many of you are here for the very first time? That's great because it shows that Bioneers is growing. But I have to say I'm here for the very first time too. And because you were all so smart, you know, I didn't think you needed me, you know. <laughs> and the problem with this is that now I have 22 years worth of things to say to you. So I, I have here notes that if you poured water on them, they would like become 100 books. They may just have to come and take me off of the hook. So brace yourself. <laughs> um, but I am so touched and moved and glad and fulfilled to be here with my friends and sisters and brothers on this fragile spaceship Earth that we love so much. Um, and I want to talk to you today about an imbalance that affects pretty much everything. It has led to division, hierarchy, and alienation from nature, to which obviously humans are a part. It has led to governance by ranking rather than linking. It has led to worshiping various gods who look suspiciously like the ruling class. Now it has led to an earth overloaded with seven billion human beings who are rapidly using up resources and killing other species. And uh, I'm afraid it's still enforced by religions that present life after death as better than life itself. A worship of doomsday that has now finally coincided with doomsday weapons in a very dangerous way. I'm talking about the division of human beings into the cults of masculinity and femininity, into false divisions that conceal both our shared humanity and our individual uniqueness. We are trained in this division very young, usually in our own families, and it normalizes later divisions into leader and led, subject and object, rich and poor, even conqueror and conquered. After all, if we will accept in our own families the idea that there are some who, are, who eat and some who cook, some whose education or words or acts are more important, even some who control by right and by violence, then how much easier is it to accept ideas of birth-based differences of race and class and ethnicity that are just as invented? There's no competition of tears here. Only the individual knows what's hurting and why and in what combination. But it is very often gender which offers the first pattern. In fact, you can see from looking around the world that the countries with the least democracy in public life have the least democracy between males and females in so-called private life. And the countries with the most autocratic and violent systems of governance have them from birth. Yet few people tell us the simple truth. You can't have a democracy without democratic families. 
or even you can't have a democracy without the female half of a country. That's because our educational and intellectual life is also divided into so-called feminine and so-called masculine. Courses on child rearing and family forms are somehow feminine and courses on politics and foreign policy are definitely masculine. We rarely discover the truth that inequality in the family makes it feel like home in public life and that violence in the home normalizes it everywhere else. Of course, yes, it's possible to change. We need not be childhood determinists. But it's very difficult because we are like Russian dolls with all of our earlier selves still nested within us. On the upside, that means that we also have no idea what might be possible if we raised even one generation of children without violence and with faith in both that child's individual uniqueness and our shared humanity. Ranking instead of linking, a, a ranking for, for which gender prepares the ground for race and class and everything else is literally killing us. It's certainly killing females since femicide is the most common crime on this spaceship Earth. But it is also killing men with ideas of masculinity which literally shorten their lives even in the absence of war and certainly in the presence of it. Those of us in social justice movements also have to take responsibility uh, for failing to emphasize the connections between and among our movements. We know that they're there, but do we act on them? Yes, we need names, we need labels to make the invisible visible. It's very precious for a group that has not been seen to be seen and to self-name. It cannot be neglected. But labels can become the enemies of connection. For instance, it's simply not possible to be a feminist without also being an anti-racist. Not only because most women in the world are limited by both genderism and racism, but also because females of the supposedly superior group are restricted in order to keep that group so-called pure. Wherever one group of women is sexually restricted, uh, to, in order to reproduce whatever the ruling class may be. Others are sexually exploited in, in order uh, to produce workers and cheap labor. If women are imprisoned by ideas of race, it is all women, not just women who are directly affected by race. Every single woman here, like every single man, has a self-interest in fighting and denying racism and understanding that it's a fiction. Our freedom is restricted as women, so we will reproduce race, literally. And that is what is, uh, the feminist movement is directed at changing. It is directed at reproductive freedom as a fundamental human right, like freedom of speech, freedom of assembly. And all movements are damaged when they are seen as disconnected. So how did we get into this jam to address the 
primordial jam of women, which actually is not primordial, more about that later. Uh, <laughs> well, it arose when some men began to take reproduction out of the control of women, uh, whose bodies, of course, are the means of reproduction and who are the natural controllers of it. And so these cults of masculinity and femininity grew. As Olaf Palma, the former chief of state of Sweden said, gender roles are the deepest cause of violence on earth and therefore it is the duty of every government to humanize them. Nonetheless, we are still, these gender roles are still confused with nature. Just as racial differences were once falsified by science, and sometimes still are. We all come, after all, from a common embryo. How come that doesn't get more publicity? Why don't people emphasize that male have nipples, men have, have nipples? I believe there's a book called Why Men Have Nipples, right? <laughs> Why don't we know that clitorises have the same nerve endings as penises? Hello? <laughs> <laughs> We can donate blood types to each other. We can donate organs to each other. Of course, we have become crazed on the subject of hormones, uh, but behavior uh, changes hormones as hormones change behavior. As you may have read recently, the so-called male hormone of testosterone, which females also have some of, is at a lower level in men when they are nurturing children. I so wish Dorothy Dinnerstein, who wrote The Mermaid and the Minotaur, a book I commend to you, were here to see her work confirmed, as she always said, that men raising children and therefore becoming, as much as women, and becoming whole people was the key to world peace. Do read The Mermaid and the Minotaur. And I bet any minute we're going to find out that testosterone is also raised in women when we have to fight in self-defense or in defense of those we love. In any case, the sex differences are focused during the central reproductive years. Very young males and females and very old females and males tend to be more similar to each other and to have similar degrees of, of physical strength. But Naming, of course, as we know, doesn't have to be the enemy of connection. We should not give up the glorious ability to say, name the beautiful colors in which human beings like flowers show up on this earth. From beautiful blue-black to deflect the sun to translucent white to absorb the vitamin D when, when the sun is scarce. However, it's something else to elaborate this into a fiction uh, of hierarchy that then allows so-called race to dictate entire lives. We forget, we conceal, or we lie about the fact, now so well proven by DNA migratory trails, that we all share the same origins in Africa with only minor adaptations to climate as we traveled. Yet these division, fictional divisions of race and gender have been so long with us that it's hard to know what life might be like without them. Indeed, what happens to men is called politics, and what happens to women is called culture. As a way of saying, you can't change that, that's culture. <laughs> um, well, God may be in the details, 
but I think the goddess is in connections. Connections used to exist probably for 95% of human history, as we're beginning to learn. Only five or 600 years ago, where we now stand, right here, and nowhere on Earth more than five or 6,000 years ago, which is still less than 5% of human history. We're discovering that many original languages had no gender, that women controlled their own fertility with herbs and abortifacients, and were clearly part of decision-making circles. Indeed, the circle was the paradigm, not the pyramid or the hierarchy. I have uh, known a, I have a Cherokee friend who spoke Cherokee until he was 12, and he still gets his pronouns mixed up because it does not have he or she. So exactly how did we get so bananas as to be giving gender to tables and chairs? <laughs> when they call it romance language, they're not kidding. <laughs> I have also sat in meetings with the Iroquois men here, or with San and Quay, the, the so-called bush people of the Kalahari, who actually sat through hours and hours of meetings only speaking when they had something to say. <laughs> They didn't try to control anything. I almost fell off my chair. <laughs> I've traveled up the Nile and seen the oldest uh, Nubian carvings and the, the remains of the carvings. And so you can see there, as perhaps many of you have, some of you have made this trip, that God was represented in all living things, in men, women, animals, papyrus plants, butterflies, everything. Then a few more miles and thousands of years down the Nile, the goddess has a son and no daughter. Imagine that. Then more miles and more time passes, and the son has become a consort who is taller than his mother. And then the consort uh, becomes a pharaoh who sits on a throne, merely portraying the goddess as the source of his power. And finally, one gets to the newest parts of the banks of the Nile, where the newest structures, where there are uh, mosques where no representation of women or nature are allowed. And men and women are separated, as they are in so many synagogues and churches. As the great Egyptologist Henry Breasted explained, monotheism is but imperialism in religion. <laughs> No wonder it has been so hard for many courageous men who refuse to control and to conquer to say, no, God is not man and man is not God, and we do not have power over nature or over women. No wonder it is even harder for women to say, our bodies are not just a means of reproduction to be controlled by others, to be measured by virginity in the absence of an owner, by who owns us, by what children we produce, especially sons. No wonder we're so off, we've so often had to choose, even in supposedly equal cultures. Will we give birth to ourselves, or will we give birth to someone else? We should be able to do both.
We will work in, in patterns. Uh, we have to work in patterns, not made for parents, whether those parents are male or female, because this is one of the few, is the only country in the world without a national policy of adjusting work patterns for families and for parents, the only advanced country in the world. Or the other, only other choice is will we try to do two jobs, which is, of course, impossible. Yes, we have learned finally, and the majority of the country knows, that women can do what men can do. But many of us have not learned ourselves that men can do what women can do. And until that happens, children will be deprived of a model of a loving and nurturing male human being. And men will be deprived of the, of the pleasure uh, and satisfaction of parenthood. No wonder some of us try to restore universal spirituality to religions that have become more and more like politics in the sky and more and more off limits as we are supposed to not discuss this, which makes them especially effective. As, as some historians of religious architecture point out, Religious buildings represent, are built to resemble, often built to resemble the body of a woman because the central ceremony which takes place in that building is one in which men symbolically take over the power of giving birth. Yes, they have controlled women's sexuality and spirituality, but the power to give birth is still mythic and huge. So they have constructed buildings. This historian of architecture said this as if everyone knew it, uh, <laughs> in which there is an outer entrance and inner entrance, labia majora, labia minora, vestibula. It's the same word biologically, I believe. In between, a, a vaginal aisle up the center, two curved ovarian structures on either side, <laughs> and you can't make this up, right? <laughs> and the uh, altar in the center, which is the womb, where the miracle takes place, where men dressed in skirts <laughs> actually, he didn't say that, I'm saying that, but anyway, <laughs> um, sprinkle imitation birth fluid over your head. And, and say, okay, you know, you were born of women, of woman, an inferior creature. Too bad, you were born in sin. But if you obey the rules of the patriarchy, you can be reborn through men. And we will sprinkle this fluid over your head and give you a new name and declare, hello? You know, one birth is not enough. I, I'm, I believe it's where a very uh, literal idea of heaven came from. Before patriarchy came along, one joined one's ancestors on the other side of the mountain, but a very elaborate idea of how many virgins you'll be able to have and so on, uh, a very elaborate heaven was an effort to, for patriarchal religions to go women one better. Yes, you can give life, but only we can give eternal life. And that is why it is so dangerous now with doomsday weapons to have this notion that somehow life after death is better. 
As long as we want to live, we can talk to each other. But once people think that it is better to die, it is very, very, very dangerous. No wonder corporations became legal persons in the 1800s with the right to make contracts while living, breathing female human beings couldn't make contracts without their husband's written permission. Last year, with a conservative Supreme Court, a Supreme Court for which we are all responsible unless we voted with the Supreme Court in mind, corporations became such uh, legal paper people that they gained an unlimited right to fund independent political ads, all under the right of First Amendment free speech. Well, if corporations are people, then some of them should be in prison. And though I oppose corporal punishment for actual people, <laughs> I wouldn't mind putting a lot of them on death row. <laughs> if corporations are people, they should be forced uh, through um, having no corporate sex education, maybe? So I'll have to work this out. <laughs> to have... Uh, to have subsidiaries that they can't possibly care for. <laughs> Just as women in this country have more unplanned births than in any advanced country in the nation because of taking away sex education, prescription birth control, safe and legal abortion, which one in three American women needs, because of that, we know with sadness that whether a woman can decide when and if to give birth is the single biggest determinant of whether she is healthy or not, educated or not, influential outside the home or not, and how long she's going to live. Corporations should be forced to care and support for 18 years at least. <laughs> I'm not sure this parallel quite works. <laughs> uh, any subsidiary desired by somebody who sneaks in there with a successful business plan. <laughs> anyway, you get the idea. <laughs> it will, of course, take an act of Congress to reverse the 2010 Supreme Court ruling that made corporations unlimited political spenders in the name of free speech, unlimited political spenders for the first time. But in the meantime, we can support the Buffett rule, which just says that millionaires and billionaires should actually pay taxes at the same rate as everybody else. It, it happens that 75% of Americans support uh, this Buffett rule. But unfortunately, the Republican Party has been taken over by people who are actually not Republicans. You know, they are zealots. They are not Republicans. A lot of them were Democrats. Think of Jesse Helms. Think of Ronald Reagan. Think of, you know, Perry. 
think of, who gradually over time, beginning in the late 60s, moved in on the Republican Party and took over the machinery. So now we are faced not with a real choice that's 50-50, but with a choice that's 70-30. And it is very, very, very dangerous. Because this country is now more polarized into rich and poor than at any time in the last 100 years. So I say, as I know all of you, or I believe all of you have done blessings on Occupy Wall Street. <clears throat> and the, the hundreds of towns and campuses uh, that, are, that are doing the same. Uh, they are exer exercising their right to free speech, even though they are not corporations. <laughs> and as any of you who have seen these demonstrations can vouch, they are doing an amazing, amazing on-the-spot job of recreating democracy with general assemblies to decide what happens, with free food, with free exercise, and with a very interesting, you know how restrictions always create art? They, they, because they were forbidden amplification by the police department, now, as you may notice, a speaker stands on the platform, says a sentence or two, the people who hear it here repeat the sentence or two, and the people who heard them repeat it again. It is an art form. It brings tears to your eyes. <laughs> it, it, it forces speakers to be short, but it also, <laughs> it also produces poetry. The problem is we are still, we, we have to face some of the other things that are happening that have not, not been named. For instance, in this country, we're all worried, I think, about the degree of uh, violent rhetoric in the air, about the record number of gun sales, even with permits, about the great uh, rise in the number of people joining neo-fascist and uh, racist groups uh, about the backlash uh, against reproductive freedom, which even proposes legislation saying it's okay to murder an abortion doctor because you're killing him in self-defense. This did not pass, but this was seriously proposed. So, you know, I think we're, we're all worried about this, right? But with the understanding that the um, model of, of uh, what happens in violence, violent situations is the family, it suddenly dawned on me that when a woman, it's usually not always a woman, is escaping a violent home, it's the, the time when she is most likely to be uh, injured or murdered because she is escaping control, right? Well, you know, I think that's what's happening in this country. We're escaping control. We've turned against two wars faster than we did in the case of Vietnam. Uh, we've turned against our financial, exploitive financial institutions in a way that I have not seen in my, in my lifetime. We have a proud African-American family in the White House. We, uh, in about 20 minutes, we're not going to be a majority European-American country anymore, right? <laughs> We're going to actually look more like the world. This would be good. Right. 
But the people whose paradigm is not the circle, but is the pyramid, the people who believe in ranking, not linking, are losing control. So I think there are two things that we must keep in mind. It's never just one, right? Nothing is inevitable. Depends what you and I do. But there are two things that we must keep in mind. One is that it is a time of maximum danger, and we have to look after each other and be aware of the danger. And the other is that we're not going to turn back. We would never tell a woman to stay, or anyone to stay in a violent home, and we will not stay in the old way of control and hierarchy and ranking and suffering and injustice. So, okay, I've, I've, I've passed my time, so I'm sort of reduced to either poetry or t-shirts. <laughs> I, I made t-shirts, made let's see, women's studies, black studies, Native American studies, gay and lesbian studies are remedial studies, right? Okay. The real Jesus was a much nicer guy than you think if you read the Gnostic Gospels. The real Muhammad was, you know, a reformer for women's rights. Hello? These poor people are imprisoned by their, you know, followers. Uh, don't dominate nature. Imitate her, thanks to biomimicry. Thank you. Thank you. Indi Indian country, not Greece, was the source of democracy. It was the, the model for the women's movement. The you know, and actually, this kind of thing is the source of my next button, which is, the truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope that we also know that the, since the, it isn't true that the ends justify the means, the means are the ends. If we choose every day to do the best we can to act with kindness, to say, I am not more important than anyone else, but I'm not less important either, to overcome these crazy categories based on the fiction of race and gender and ethnicity and so on. And if we do it with joy and poetry and music and sex and humor, then we will have joy and poetry and music and sex at the end of the revolution. Thank you.